This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, a very happy new year to you and thank you for joining us on Resource Centre. This is Audrey Raj. Hope you're having a brilliant start to 2022. Now on the show today, we're going to be speaking with Kevin Brocklin from Indelible Ventures. Indelible Indelible Ventures uh, is a US-based fund with a mandate to invest in Malaysian startups to help them scale internationally. And this is something, you know, we don't hear every day. So we have plenty of questions for Kevin here, including why a foreign Uh, VC is interested in Malaysia as well as what they're looking for when selecting companies to fund. Kevin, welcome to Resource Centre. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm very happy to be here uh, and and share the story of my my own story and share the story of Indelible Ventures as well. So yeah, let's just get started with that, Kevin. Maybe you can talk to us about Indelible Ventures and give us a bit of background into what you do. Yeah, so we're, we're focused exclusively on the Malaysian market. We're a little bit different than most VCs because we also focus specifically on B2B uh, products. Um, most of what you see is frequently focused on consumer plays, whereas we're focused more on, on the B2B sector. I think there's a lot of opportunity to build there, um, not just because, you know, the Malaysian government is doing a lot of programs to sponsor the digitalization efforts across the country. But when you look throughout Southeast Asia, there's similar sort of programs and that's providing a lot of opportunity. And honestly, I think Malaysia is a good entry point. Uh, into the rest of the market, um, and yeah, that's 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 why that's why we've positioned here. It was mm. it's a bit unusual, I think, for a foreign VC to say, hey, "I'm going to stake out Malaysia specifically and have yeah. that focus." Most come in and with a regional strategy, um, but I, I think that comes from the fact that I've actually been based in Malaysia for a number of years. I've been involved in the startup ecosystem and. And I've seen uh, throughout those years a relatively common story, which is there's a lot of talented entrepreneurs coming out with really great businesses, but they they run into a funding gap, which exists in the Malaysian market, where there's not really a strong seed or a pre-A uh, stage. Kind of that, that stage, for those that don't know, like the... the the phrasing of the VC world, it's after you've kind of, there's a lot of programs that help you turn an idea into a product and to turn that product into your first sales. There's a lot of programs, whether or not they're government related, non-government related, there's a lot going on in Malaysia for that. So there's, there's a good source building that up. But then once they come through that, the options really narrow down in, in regards to what's available to, to these entrepreneurs and at that stage, they're not. Most of the companies are not quite ready to be able to raise very large sums of money. And most VCs don't cross borders for small, for small check sizes. And so there's this gap where they really need that bridge in order to get to that next stage. And so I've seen that story play out year after year with a large number of different companies. And finally, you know, in 2021, decided to do something about it. And that's when Indelible Ventures was launched with the thesis that Malaysian entrepreneurs have a lot to offer for the region and for the world. 
So what kind of Malaysian companies do you already have uh, in your portfolio and would we recognize them? Can you share some names so, this? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think so, some of them are, are, are fairly recognizable, I, you know, they, that have started getting really good traction in, in Malaysia and through the region. So one of them, for example, is, is Future Lab. It's a mentoring platform. Um, it's used by a, a number of universities. Magic uses their platform. Uh, they've gotten good traction outside of Malaysia. Um, so that's 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 quite a recognizable name. There's a lo- pretty large set of of mentors that are registered on the platform. Um, so that's that's one that we we were really excited about getting getting partnered up with. Um, we have another one called the Run Cloud, uh, which is you know already a global company uh, they're servicing clients you know when you look at the map of where their clients are it's basically covering the globe at this point already mm. um and this is one that's really bringing kind of the low code no code movement to cloud server management it's 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 a really interesting company that has a huge opportunity in a market that is just growing rapidly going going enabling companies to more easily deploy on the cloud is just a huge market opportunity and and run cloud i think has a has a great opportunity to become one of the primary players there right. uh, we have another company uh, and I'll, I'll just mention one more uh, which is vase.ai which is really trying to disrupt the market research space uh, so when you normally go out and get market research, it's this big, long process where you have to wait months and months for this, this great, what's, what's usually a very well-researched report coming back to you from, from a company that you're paying, you know, tens of thousands or whatever the fee may end up being. But because the, sp- because the business is moving so fast, well, if you have to wait six, nine, 12 months for a research report to come back, it mm. may be stale at that point in time. And businesses want to be able to move much more quickly. So they're breaking the market research down into iterative steps and enabling people to do uh, those sort of incremental, fast-paced uh, research. Uh, so that's another one that we're quite excited about and is already expanding internationally as well. So really kind of fitting very tightly with that thesis of of being able to create global brands. Right. So two out of three of those companies have already been on BFM. Or um, right after the show, I'm going to get you to connect me to RunLab, right? Uh, <laughs> so um, at the top of the show, Kevin, you mentioned why um, a foreign VC like Intelligible Ventures is interested in a market like Malaysia, but is there more to it? You know, why should more foreign VCs want to stake out here? Yeah, I, I think what's what's going on is when you when you look at the the region as a whole, historically, you know, it started off with uh, like when you talk to any foreign VC and you say Southeast Asia startups, the first name that comes to mind was has historically always been Singapore. Singapore. Of course, because it's it's the hub when most people, and to be perfectly honest with you, people from my country, the US, are not very good at geography. Uh, so they may only know Singapore, to be perfectly mm. honest. Um, 
And so it's it's it was understandable because it's been kind of the hub, that sort of thing. So it has this sort of magnet of capital, magnet of talent, magnet of this and that and the other. Um, when you start getting past that, a lot of the focus has just been on uh, large population markets, which is also understandable because there there is there's a dynamic around like the power law in in VC investing being able to get sheer numbers. So it was understandable that Indonesia became mm. a very primary focus. Um, you know, honestly, Philippines kind of lag behind, even though their population is of major size. Vietnam is now becoming an extremely yeah. hot market. Um, you know, if for players that are going on consumer plays, it is quite difficult to expand internationally with consumer plays because there is quite a big difference in in preferences, appetites, culture from country to country. I mean, just from Johor to Penang, there's a, there's a there's a difference in the culture within one single country. Now expand that to say, including Thailand, Indonesia, Philippines, etc. Yeah. But for for us, we one of the reasons why we looked at B two B is because there is a lot of commonality in the challenges that businesses face, and as you know, trade agreements are starting to come into play within the ASEAN region. The countries within Southeast Asia are going to become much more connected, and also because some of the geopolitical strains that are going on. Uh, between other major countries, it's creating a little bit of a shift as well in mm. some of the supply chains and so forth that are going to help uh, ASEAN countries. And I think a lot of that push and a lot of the normal development that's coming in here is creating a big opportunity. So then it comes into, okay, well, why Malaysia is as the focus? And so for from a foreign VC standpoint, I think you know the fact that English is 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 widely spoken makes it makes it huge. It makes it extremely easy. Um, from a talent perspective, you know there is a there is a there's still a lot of work to be done in order to maintain a quality talent. I think that there needs to be more emphasis on education for tech talent and so forth. But it's it sits very well in order well positioned from that perspective. Mm. Um, and then when you start getting into like the, the the multiple languages that are spoken here, the 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 cultural the multicultural nature of the country, it gives this the sort of it, it, it positions Malaysia very well in order to be kind of that entry point into the rest of of the world. And there's no reason why that same sort of hub nature that Singapore is known for can't be replicated for for Malaysia, in my opinion. Right. Okay, it's already time for us to take a quick break. But when we come back, uh, we discuss the way the pandemic has changed the way VCs look at startups. And also, you know, we'll get uh, more details into how uh, foreign VC like Indelible Ventures actually selects companies. All that and more happening on Resource Center. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. Bagi free minum. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You are listening to Resource Center. This is Audrey Raj. Kevin Brocklin from Indelible Ventures is online with me today. And we are just about to get into why more Malaysians should be interested in venture capital. Kevin, your thoughts? 
Yeah, I, th I think when you when you look at venture capital as an asset class, uh, you know, broadly speaking, it's outperformed every other asset class. Uh, it's a longer term investment, so you have to be understanding of that. But when you're looking at a mix uh, of investments, it outperforms the other asset classes. So it's important that people have a good portfolio strategy in order to include it, whether it's part of a a court portfolio of assets or whether it's a high net worth individual or whether or not it's a large institutional investor what you what you've seen in other countries in in Europe and, the, and especially in the US where it's, it's a much more mature market is that that allocation has done very well when you look at the endowments when you look at the other um, institutions that have been playing into it it performs very well and it's actually started to you know the the level of risk associated with startup investing has started to decrease. Mm. Um, it's still not it's still not a risk free asset. So I don't want to like say that it is not, but certainly venture capital is is, is becoming a more interesting asset class. Um, and I think one of the positives within this region, because it's it's not as as entrenched as of yet. When you look at emerging fund managers specifically, they actually outperform uh, some of the um, more 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 longstanding brand names as well. Um, okay, Kevin, uh, maybe you can tell us more about the types of investments that Indelible Ventures is looking for. Yeah, so when we look at, so I guess the first starting point is 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 with the what where how we phrased our thesis. So we're specifically focused on on B two B products that are tech enabled and have the potential to scale internationally. Uh, now, by internationally, it could be regionally, it could be globally. Uh, it's just the the main thing there is being able to expand the market opportunity. Uh, into multiple markets because that's what's really going to be interesting and enable a company to raise multiple rounds. Now, you know, we're, we're fairly broad when it comes to what type of industry segments we're really looking at, you know, we're really looking at what's the commonality of needs for the problem that you're addressing and the solution that you're providing to it, because that's giving us the indication of how, how well it can expand into other markets. Is there a commonality of needs? Is the pain point that you're addressing for the Malaysian business is the same that a Philippine business or a, a UK business or whatever the case may end up being. And then we also look at what are the barriers to entry you know, I really like the fintech space, but if it's something that has to be registered with the central central bank of every single market, that becomes very difficult and requires a lot of capital. The market opportunity may be sizable enough to where it ends up being justified, but it takes a lot of capital. So we, we have to factor that in when we're looking at it. Aside from that, when looking at the businesses themselves, I always tell people that we look at the, what I say, the three Ps the people, the processes, and the product. And we look at them in that specific order, mm -hmm. uh, which oftentimes gets the question of why people first and why product last. And because we focus on more seed stage companies, 
when you're at that early of a stage, the product is going to evolve over time. Mm. You're going to have to modify it. You're going to be constantly improving what the product and the features are in order to match that, that market fit. And if you don't have good processes in place, if you don't have the, 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 the proper people in place, you're not going to be able to, 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 to manage the evolution of the product that's necessary. So we look very, very much on, on a very people-centric. And so we move a little bit more slowly than some VCs out there. I know in, in, in U.S. and some of the developed markets, there's VCs that pride themselves on being able to write a term sheet the same day or the next day. We don't do that. We like to get to know the entrepreneur uh, because of that very people-centric uh, approach and wanting to get to get to know them. Um, and it's, you know, there's different personalities, there's different sorts of expertise, but building a business from scratch is incredibly difficult. Uh, you know, I, I, I drafted a, sh- a short article build, building off of an analogy that another another venture capitalist had that that early stage is like being dropped in the middle of the jungle. You don't know where you're going. You have no clue where civilization or a road is. Mm-hmm. And you have to figure out how to navigate your way out of there. You know, that comes into having the proper people and the processes in order to find find your own path. Right. Now, has anything changed over the last, I don't know, two years or so, you know? Um, has the pandemic changed the way VCs or, or, or Indelible Ventures looks at a startup and, and, and how you select companies? Uh, aside from the people, the processes and yeah. um, the product. Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing is... You know, it, when 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 you're not able to meet face to face, it makes a big challenge in order to get that sort of comfort level. Um, so that's something that's been a bit of a challenge, but it's 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 made a, a large number of Zoom calls and and, and different sorts of uh, video platforms that the, that there that there are in order to communicate. So it's been a bit of a challenge, but I think to be honest with you, the the segment that we're focused on, which is the B two B. You know, because of the pandemic, businesses have had to change their approaches and have been kind of forced along further along the technology adoption curve simply from necessity in order to survive because workforces have gone remote during the pandemic because of because of movement control orders and so forth. You know, it's forced businesses to adopt new technologies. And now that they've started to, that's that's not something that we believe is reversible. Mm-hmm. I think that that's just going to continue. So from a market opportunity standpoint, uh, I think it's actually been helpful from from a from venture capital kind of what what we see as market opportunity. I think it's been really difficult from being from the perspective of being able to get the comfort level with individuals because of that people first sort of orientation uh, and obviously like you know i'm trying to put like a silver lining on something that's been really devastating for a number of people yeah. uh, but I, th- I think 
from from technology adoption, it's 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 definitely moved people along along the curve. You've seen a lot more uh, small and medium sized businesses adopt going going through e commerce channels. You've started to see more um, more companies. Uh, getting involved into solving the, the complexities of the supply chain and the logistics. You've started to see more companies realize, hey, my my workforce is remote. I need to have some technology in order for me to help manage uh, this workforce. So HR tech has started to see uh, some increases and see more evolution in the types of services that they're doing. You've started to see more workflow automation because of these uh, because of these changes as well. And there's a lot of really interesting tech that is actually coming out. And I think, um, you know, that's that's giving us a lot of opportunity right now. I'm, I'm just curious if there is a game play for just keeping it safe, like um, looking into recession-proof segments and things like that. You know, is, that, um, is there any concerns? And, you know, is there a movement to into more safer bets? Yeah, so I, I think when it comes to technology that it ends up becoming, there, there's, there's waves, there's cycles in the, in, 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 in the economy and there's cycles in business and so forth. With technology adoption, I think it's more of like waves to where, you know, when you're, when you're looking at where you sit on those cycles, you're relating it to these waves of when you're coming out with new technologies and so forth. So there's, there's certainly going to end up being obsolescence of one. So when you're trying to just look at a company and, and de-risk it and think of what's the, what is, is this something that can be stay, more stable in the long term? It starts coming down more to the vision of, the, the founders and what their product roadmap looks like and whether or not they're thinking far enough in advance mm. in order to be able to in order to be able to manage those cycles. I think the big challenge that a lot of founders have, especially in early days, is that you get so focused on your day to day, the immediate of what do my customers need today that you're not able to kind of move back and get that 30,000 foot, you know, view of what is the playing field look like moving out a few years so that you can maintain that vision and make sure that the individual tactical steps that you're taking today fit with it. Um, so I think that comes, it's, it's hard to necessarily quantify that down because it, it in, 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 in the approach that we've always taken, it, it, it requires a lot more uh, conversation and discussion. And I think one of the things that's helpful in, in us approaching it that way is it does push those entrepreneurs to think uh, in that form and, and forces them to kind of pull back uh, from that from that from that tree from that ground level view and, and and start thinking in the longer vision but it's 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 tough i think the one constant in technology is that there will be change whatever your go-to technology of today is will not be the same as it will be in in five in five years so um managing that constant is 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 the challenge right now, Kevin, before uh, I let you off the hook, um, how do you see Indelible Ventures helping to build the entrepreneurship ecosystem here in Malaysia? 
Yeah, so we we want to be a, a supportive player in in the local ecosystem. That's that's why we focused on the Malaysian market. I, I, we would love to be one of the folks that is that is known for helping bring more uh, Malaysian brand names onto the global scale. I think by doing that, there's there's a there's a uh, self-enforcing cycle that that can end up coming from because the more brand names that we can put out there and there's already no, a large number of Malaysian brand names out there so we're, we're not the, we're not the first we're not the only we just want to be a part that's helping the ecosystem um, but the more Malaysian brand names that can get out there internationally the more of those international investors that are going to start seeing that and and want to take part of 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 the process in order to get there so there's that that'll end up helping to get more capital flowing back into the country but i think that there's also a need in order to develop the the local talents in uh, the venture capital industry as well so you know as far as indelible goes the plan is is that i'm going to be the only foreigner in the company we may end up having venture partners to help with our network in order to leverage uh, the international expansion and so forth, but we're really looking at, at building a team in in Malaysia and building the local talents for the industry. Right, Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. It's it's been it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. So, if our listeners would like more information uh, on Indelible Ventures and what you do, uh, is there or even to just uh, get in touch with you, is there a website that they can go to, or how can they contact you? Yeah, you can find our website. It's indelible.vc. Uh, you can also reach out directly to me at kevin at indelible.vc. Uh, or you can connect with me on social media, LinkedIn, etc. I'm not so much on, on Twitter and the rest, but you can certainly find me on LinkedIn if, if, if anything else. Right. Thank you once again, Kevin. I've been speaking with Kevin Brocklin from Indelible Ventures. And if you missed out on any part of this show, you can go look for the podcast on our website. That's bfm.my. You can also find all our podcasts on the BFM app that's available on the Apple App Store and on Google Play. More on Resource Center, same time next week but till then this is Audrey Raj for BFM 89.9Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.